0: Hi everyone, this is Katherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 378. And tonight, we, of course, don't have Laurel Olympus yet. You can see the episode description for the countdown because we are obsessed. Yes. And we don't have a night veil until next week, so we actually use this week to get caught up on some things, namely the fourth episode of season two of Good Omens. Yes, and it was... Fine. I mean, it wasn't yeah. bad. Definitely, there were some no. parts in it that I really liked, but it does kind of feel like a placeholder episode. Yes, and I know this is not a Netflix show, but I felt like there were some parts in the middle that might have been suffering from a little Netflix bloat. Like the scene in the magic store seemed to go on way longer than it needed to. Yeah, I. Ugh. So part of this is more establishing of Crowley and Aziraphale's friendship. So we start in the past during World War II at that scene where Crowley and Aziraphale have just survived a bombing of a church. And then Aziraphale thinks that the rare books that he was getting from his Nazi informants who died in the attack, he thought all the books got smashed. And Crowley's like, oh no, just another little miracle there, and hands it to him. And you're just like, well, that was it. That was all Crowley had to do to win Aziraphale's heart. You could see it in his face. Yes, you could. Now there's a lot going on here, but basically you've got those three Nazis who got killed. We actually follow them down to the underworld where they're kind of being processed and everything. Now there's also, there's the one demon that's kind of been after Crowley for a while who has talked to Aziraphale in the car at one point, threatened him. Now, she's, this is in the past, and there's her and there's another demon who are just pissed off about being part of the bureaucracy of hell. Now, if I remember right, because I watched the first half of this episode two days ago and the second half just this afternoon, but basically I think the woman demon who has been following Crowley along promises this other demon that if he can get her hard evidence that Crowley is working with the angels. She will put him in front of the I don't know, nefarious realms and regions of hell and get him a promotion. Yes, yeah, he wants to go into temptation. Or, well, he doesn't know that he'd be really good at it, but he just wants to do anything other than processing incoming souls. Yes. Now, as he's trying to think of a way how he can make this happen, those three dead Nazis are talking to him and they're complaining, and they basically spill the beans that while they were down there, Crowley and Aziraphale were working together. Crowley was in a church and this guy's like, This is what I need. And he tells those three, if you can get me evidence that this happened, I'll make sure that you don't, you know, suffer eternal damnation. And he gives them a little kind of preview of what their damnation would look like. It looks pretty horrible. Yeah, it was some prominent Nazi. And it was all cartoon, like the the cartoon style from the intro. And it's basically the Nazi gets you know, repeatedly eaten and excreted and then eaten again by a gigantic uh, monster of some kind in hell, big spider monster. So yeah, even as a cartoon, it was disturbing. And you could tell all of the uh, the three dead souls were like, and they sign immediately and they get sent back, but they're not alive anymore. They're undead, but they're not yes. in hell. So it's an improvement, but they do have to eat people. And I did kind of like when they eat some, hobo that was singing to himself and then they're just sitting back and it's kind of like "Hmm, that was actually kind of tasty just sort of kicking back and relaxing a little bit of course one of them starts singing in the voice of the drunk hobo that they just ate and he thumps his chest he's repeating on me sorry and i'm just sitting there boo (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of the scenes in this episode are establishing shots of the three of them stomping their way through the streets. And, you know, it's a very effective imagery, looks very cool. About the fifth or sixth time you saw it, I was like, this feels like padding. So meanwhile, Crowley has taken Aziraphale along on his task, which was to drop off illicit liquor at a big uh, dance club, bar, performance review, whatever sort of thing. And But all of his bottles of liquor got busted, and the woman's really mad at him. And I was kind of like, because... Aziraphale jumps in to save him, and I'm just thinking, I kind of would have liked to see Crowley handle a human getting mad at him. I mean, he's a friggin' demon. I don't see why yeah. that was a problem. But anyway, you know, she's upset because now she doesn't have any liquor, and there's no heating in the building, so the dance girls don't want to go on, and their magician, I think, either got killed in an attack or canceled or something. Well, Aziraphale, he loves doing magic tricks. So he signs up to be the magician and he's terrible. He is so bad. They go to... Now, there was a very cute scene where, I don't know, Crowley was trying to say something like, well, you're going to be performing on the East End. You need to have something splashy. And... There's a magic shop down the street, and I think that's when Aziraphale is just like, oh, I can't go there. That's for the professional magicians. And Crowley says, you're going to be performing on the East End. If that doesn't make you a professional magician, I don't know what does. It's just basically he says something, and it's really stirring and very uplifting. And once again, Aziraphale is cheered up, but also smitten. He's very smitten. Yes. So they have the whole scene in the magic shop about all the different things, just basically establishing over and over again that – Xerophel doesn't know what he's doing, but he doesn't realize how bad he is at things. No. And the three zombies, there's, you know, one of the zombies is kind of like messing around in the store. And so there's a lot of business going on with the zombie. Like, I don't know, he's like looking at the wall of fake ears and his own real ear falls off. Ha ha ha. But yeah, there's there's a lot of that a lot of like, the other zombies at the window, and he's like shushing them all the time. And I'm like, this is okay, that's fine. Whatever. That's fine. Yeah, yeah." it's going on a bit long. But what Xerophel finally hits on is the catching the bullet magic trick, which Mm -hmm. sounds a little bit, I mean, the explanation sounds a little bit easier than they were making it out to be, which is just, he's got to have a bullet in his mouth so that when someone fires past him, you know, Crowley Mm -hmm. literally fires past him, but makes it look like he's aiming straight for him. And then he like takes the bullet out and you know, Oh, look, I caught it in my mouth. But it turns out Crowley's never fired a gun before. He had to actually ask how the mechanism worked. Like, okay, you pull this here, right? So very dangerous. Yeah, extremely dangerous. Also, I'm relatively certain that's not how that trick's supposed to work. Because spoilers, you know, after a really long, 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 long building up of tension, he finally fires the gun almost hits the owner of the club, like literally a real bullet comes out of a real gun, goes straight past Aziraphale's head, almost kills the club owner. And then, of course, Aziraphale, you know, smiles and whatever. And I'm like, I'm fairly sure that trick involves blanks, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we forgot something. The demon that sent the three Nazis out to identify what uh, Crowley was doing to keep them from being able to like, magic their way out of any problem that the demon brought up. He has a card that is a miracle stopper that he literally punches with a punch card in order Mm. to stop miracles for a little while. And I liked the effect of... Aziraphale is trying to do his turn to turn up into an inkwell, which I'm like, oh, that is just brilliantly boring. I mean, the yes. two incredibly boring objects up on stage, that's perfect. But he can't do it because he would do like a little teeny little miracle to warm up, but it's not working. So he doesn't yeah. know how to do an actual trick. And meanwhile, Crowley's watching this and you see he's like, Pushing his hand. And you see this sort of whomp, sort of force field going around him. Like, oh, and we've established he knows there's a problem. Yes. And they had sort of set up as a backup routine you know, obviously Aziraphale is like, I only want to use one miracle per act and it'll just be my turnip into an inkwell. But Crowley says before the performance, he says, okay, but let's just go ahead and say, you know, if if something bad happens, i.e. if he accidentally shoots him, he doesn't want to deal with the paperwork. So he's like, we're going to make an exception to your one miracle rule. But now they're going into the act, and they realize uh, they have no backup. And if something bad happens, something bad will stay happened. But it's fine. Yes. Uh, Crowley manages to shoot without killing anybody, including Aziraphale. And they're both smiling at the audience, and they're both saying, no paperwork. They're really stressing how much nobody in heaven or hell wants to deal with the paperwork. But when they're in the back in the dressing room and Aziraphale is just thrilled with how well it went and everybody was applauding after they'd been booing him for being a terrible act before, well, the demon comes in with the Nazis and they know that... This was not, you know, Crowley just happening to be pulled in from the audience. He had to have known ahead of time because they've got a copy of the instructions for the trick, which they took off of the magic store owner when they murdered him. Oh, yeah. So, and he's got a photograph of the two of them up on stage together after all that. So he tells Crowley, you're going to have to come with me. And Crowley's like, no, I'm not. And he lies down and goes to sleep. I'm like... (laughs) Just I love Crowley. He's fantastic. He's wonderful. And the demon took the time to hand the evidence folder to Aziraphale with the photo in it. And I'm like, who didn't see what was coming here? And Aziraphale's looking very concerned, and he puts the photo back into the envelope and hands it back to the demon. So, of course, when the demon goes back to hell and he's got his audience in front of the nefarious regions of blah, 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 and he hands him the envelope... They open it up, and of course, they laugh him out of the room because it's not the photo in there anymore. It's a piece of the flyer that Aziraphale palmed in there and did, he did like a little sleight of hand with it. Yes, and he's bragging about it to Crowley afterwards because Crowley said, But I saw him hand you the envelope and you couldn't do any miracles and zero bell says well why do you need miracles when you've studied with the great i can't remember the name and he just mm. holds up the photo to make it disappear and it falls down behind his hand he's like well i made it work when it counted <laughs> <laughs> so we flash back to the present day uh, well uh, in case anybody's wondering what happened to the three nazis you know of course they're screwed because yes they have been Saved from eternal damnation, they will not be eternally damned. They will just spend eternity on Earth as zombies. Because nobody said that they would get turned back into humans. That's right, yes. And one of them's arm fell off as they were leaving the room. So you know it's going to be bad. It's going to be very bad. But they were Nazis, so it's fine. It is. And I want to say that one of the other zombies picked up the arm. And I'm pretty sure that as he was picking up the hand... The the arm with the hand on the end of it was still pointing and moving around as he was carrying it out of the room. (laughs) Nice touch. Nice touch. Okay. So then we go back to the present day and the demon who has been after Crowley, she knows after having talked to Aziraphale because Aziraphale can't keep a secret to save his life and has no poker face whatsoever. She knows that Gabriel is hiding in the bookstore and she goes to talk to Beelzebub after threatening her way into the room. And she can't go into the bookstore without being invited in. I guess that's kind of like demons have the same rule as vampires, fine. But she says she wants to take legion after legion down there and just completely batter their way into it. And Beelzebub finally agrees to it. And I'm sort of wondering why Beelzebub hadn't thought about doing this. But I think it's hell. People just, I don't know, they don't care. No, they don't. And it's going to be trickier than I think they're making it out to be because a demon can't enter the bookstore unless they've got permission to be invited in. So you have to wonder how many legions are you going to have to throw at something like that before you can just break your way in anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But meanwhile, um, Aziraphale gets back, and he's been having a lovely time driving Crowley's car. And you can tell that Crowley's car likes being driven by somebody who's nice to it. But at one point he parks and then he sees Nina, the coffee shop owner, walking in. So he goes to talk to her and she turns around and she says, oh, you better put the brakes on your car because the car has been like following him a little bit. So he just turns around with this terrifying look in his face, like go back where I parked you. So I thought (laughs) that was adorable. But Nina goes into her coffee shop, and she gets a message. And I love how they do text messages, like little envelope with paper unfolding. And, and it's just this kind of really mean, you know, um, if you had any self respect, you would have stuck around or you wouldn't have left so abruptly. I still had more things to say. I can't believe how stubborn you are. Now I'm going to call it now. I -hmm. don't think did Nina ever actually say that this was her partner? Oh. Because I'm starting to think it might be a teenage daughter or son. Oh, wow. That's interesting. You know what? I would have to go back because I want to say that she did, but I'm not 100% sure she said she did. I don't know. And it would make more sense with the whole her getting message after message after message when she was late, when they were locked inside the coffee shop. Because of course, her kid would want to know, where are you? Yes. Yeah, that would make sense. Honestly, I kind of hope so, because that would be way less of a toxic relationship that this, than if this was her partner. Because if you think about that being her partner, it was super toxic. Yeah, it was. I would not like that at all. But I just, I saw that and I'm like... I wonder, but yeah, that was just, it was another one of the little details about this episode that I really liked. Like, I mean, little things down in hell when the demon goes to get a you know, cup of water from the water dispenser, the dispenser actually dispenses fire. And like mm. the entire cup glows almost radioactively with fire as they're trying to drink it. And it just, I like that. I love the signs that were all around hell. Like there was yes. a sign um, behind the demon when he's talking to the Nazis at one point it said something like this office has gone zero days without someone saying the road to hell is paved with good intentions and you could see <laughs> that the like the number had been written in and crossed out multiple times oh I love stuff like that and that's why I just I, going back and rewatching it also I did watch the intro all the way through this time I can't tell if anything is changing in the intro. I mean, it is such a complicated animation. So I feel like I'm going to have to watch them all one by one in order to catch any differences. If there are, I'm taking the word of somebody who wrote an online review that there were differences. So maybe there are. Maybe they are. I, d- I don't know, because I definitely noticed stuff this time that I didn't notice the last time. I saw Elsbeth pulling the um, the cart with the barrel that said pickles oh. in it or something. But I don't know if she was there in the previous intro- episode's no. Oh, I have no idea. More to come on that. Yeah. The episode ends with um, Aziraphale is going to be throwing this party for the like neighborhood association, something like that. And because this is going to be another part of his plan to get um, Nina and the record store owner together which I'm like yes. are we still at that haven't we gone yeah. past that but they may not know that all of hell is coming after them but it feels like we're past yeah. the point where they need to be worrying about this but anyway yeah so they're going to be throwing it at his bookstore which is about to be attacked by legions of hell so next two episodes are probably going to be really something yeah he said it's going to be a night to remember I'm like foreshadowing <laughs> yeah. and I think that was it the outro music was the usual you know good omens theme but this time it was kind of like a 1940s big band kind Of thing, so and it morphed into a big band version of Every Day, and it kind of was going on for a bit. And then you hear as it's going on, the record skips, the record skips, the record skips, boom! It goes back to the regular Good Omens theme. I I like that, I thought that was very clever. Definitely listen to the outro music, always okay. So that's it for Good Omens. What I wanted to say is I watched the final episode of the current season of Black Mirror, which is season six, I believe, if you're keeping track, and it was called Demon 79. And I got to say, I'm pretty sure it was my favorite of this season. And I don't understand why anybody would say that the one with the astronauts was better because that... That one was, I mean, they've all been good. Like, there hasn't been any that have been terrible. I've just kind of not really cared, you know? I was just like, oh, I was wanting something that was really going to kick me in the teeth. I feel the final episode of the season did a pretty decent job of doing that. Now, would you recommend watching any of the other ones? Or would just this one be, like, sufficient? Hmm. I think you would enjoy Maisy Day. Um... I mean, like I said, none of them are bad, it's just, I don't know, this has been the only one that's that I got finished watching that I felt the need to text you guys, and I'm just like, oh, okay, that one was a fairly decent one, you know? So I don't know. You could certainly skip ahead and watch it. There is nothing in that one that is related to anything in this current season. There is an Easter egg at one point that only really dedicated Black Mirror people are going to get, but it happens very quickly. But I know you'll know it when you see it, but that's that's a very small thing, only tangentially related to the plot. Cool. Okay. Well, I might have to check that out. I watched episode six of the latest season of The Mandalorian. And this also felt a little bit like a placeholder episode Mm -hmm. it was it was a bit silly in places they travel to this very opulent planet that isn't under new republic rule there were quite a few cameo appearances like um christopher lloyd was in this and the comedian jack black freaking lizzo lizzo is like a planetary ruler with this holographic train tiara thingy floating around behind her all the time. It was just it was it was cute. It was. Okay. And it was also kind of a standard quest episode because Bo-Katan and uh, the Mandalorian need to get something, so they have to talk to these people who send them to there. And if they can resolve that, then they can go ahead and get this. But it's also very droid-heavy, and I like that. There's a problem in it. the city with the droids that a lot of them are repurposed from Imperial droids. Ooh. So, But you also have a little bit of droid society and what droids actually want. And all of that was just it was just kind of fun I I do like like that that. sort of thing there was a a battle droid who's like an administrative droid in charge of a loading dock or something and I'm sorry I don't care what anybody says I liked the battle droids in The Phantom Menace oh absolutely yes totally, totally. Yeah. I think the thing that I like the best about this I am really liking the character of Bo-Katan because I think you know Katie Sackhoff plays her so well but just everything about the character like even the way that she walks because she's got pistols so she keeps her hands just slightly away from her you know side as she's walking, so they don't bump into it. And it just looks so badass. Nice. And of course, I mean, Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica, we already knew that she was a badass. Yes, of course. Yes. So all of it's great. Um. So even even their episodes that don't wow me, I think are still fun. So I am okay. liking this season. I just, I do think occasionally things get a little silly but it's star wars we forget that that's been the way it is since the series first started It's true it's true and it would be nice to i mean i loved andor and i love the fact that they didn't do any fan service and they didn't go goofy at any time i don't think they went goofy and that is cool to have that seriousness but it took me a while to watch it because it's so heavy yeah star wars is like regular star wars even when it's heavy it's still kind of light and fluffy so you know but yeah i think the end of this episode I don't know if I ship Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian yet, but I feel like I could just because I like Ooh. both of these characters. And there was there is a development at the end of this episode that you could just imagine Bo-Katan going, well, take me now. So, oh, yeah, nice. yeah, I think you're going to enjoy this when you start this season. So the last thing I wanted to bring up this week, because... You, If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that me and Catherine love us a convention slash festival disaster story. And oh, what did we have? Boy. Burning Man. Burning Man, which got drowned in mud for crying out loud. I did not see that coming. I, I did not realize how much hate there was among the general yeah. population for people attending Burning Man. And I think it's one of those things that... Oh, this festival used to be cool, and now it's been taken over by Tech Rose. But I don't know how much any of that is true, because most of what I know about what Burning Man is like comes from one video that Nathan and I watched on Vimeo like 10 years ago, I think, maybe 11 Mm -hmm. years ago, which it just made it look so exotic and artistic and just off the wall and weird, but also sort of contemplative. And you'd had people talking about, well, at least with the mud, there wasn't any dust. And someone said, well, the dust is kind of the best part. I'm like, is it? So is it? I, I don't know, but uh, I don't think that mud would have been an improvement. No, no, I remember. So the two things that I really know about, it, yes, I have seen like pictures from Burning Man, you know, a lot of naked people, a lot of big costumes, a lot of installation art. I knew that they have their own post office for the whole festival. I mean, it becomes like an actual town. I had a friend who had a friend who went to it and we were talking to her at one of her parties that she was throwing. And she was talking about they have this thing about moop, which means matter out of place. So you are not allowed to leave anything in the desert when you go. And you have to be careful about what costumes you wear because she had a costume that was shedding sequins. And they were like, you got to be careful about that because we don't want to like trash up the desert. However, I've also heard that on their way out, like apparently there's sections of Reno that are trashed right now because the tourists will come back through on their way out and just garbage everywhere. And I don't know how true that is. That's another thing the internet was talking about. So, But yeah, this friend of a friend, what she had said, was that when she went, she brought like tons of leggings and she would wear one pair of leggings during the day and then at night before she went to bed because there wasn't shower facilities, she would carefully strip off her day leggings and put on a pair of clean night leggings so she didn't have quite so much dust in the bed. And I was like... Nope, I am not in. <laughs> that sounds terrible. God no, yeah. And then I also remember that my drunk kitchen. She had an episode that she filmed at Burning Man, and she was showing at one point because she was actually cooking at Burning Man, and she was showing the boxes she was picking up and like blowing dust off the top of I them. Mean, that dust gets everywhere, and I think that was part of what led to the rumor about Ebola kicking off yeah. at there. Part of it is the alkaline dust being turned into mud and like burning people's feet, I think a little bit and probably like breathing it in or, or swallowing some of it. I don't know would possibly be really bad. Yeah. And it was, I think there was some kind of like prehistoric shrimp thing or whatever that was coming to life from, from the the getting, you know, only activates. I don't know what you call it when it does that, when there was water there and there was a Mm. lot of water, but I think the moop, Problem is like catastrophic at this point because I think what people would normally have abandoned in Reno, they just left there. Oh, yeah. It's. I don't know. And the thing is, is that as far as I know, there was one death reported, and that was also fueling these rumors, because they were basically told, all the festival goers, because of the mud, because people were getting stranded, it was pretty bad. They were told, you can't go anyplace. The roads are not open. You have to stay. You have to share food and water. So everybody's going crazy. And then someone did die. I have looked. I cannot see a cause of death, but it does not seem to be a bowl up. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Whatever. But yeah, as far as I know, there was a death that was unrelated to all of that going on. So like I said, we like ourselves a convention festival slash disaster story, but it's a little harder to gloat about it when people actually get hurt or die. As far as I know, everybody's out, everybody's fine. There's no Ebola. That was something I think it's partly stupid people passing that around. And also there were, I think, some bad actors on Twitter who were deliberately pushing that one around. Well, yeah. And I think someone on Twitter pointed out that that is exactly the kind of rumor that you can get when you've got thousands of people bored and stoned out of their minds in the desert, and everybody just starts coming up with theories. Yeah. Conspiracy theorists were all over the place. My goodness. I mentioned it to my friend Wade. He's like, Ebola, that's obviously fake. Now, E. coli, I bet there's a lot of that. (laughs) I said, yeah. And he said, herpes? Probably a ton. I'm like, oh, yeah, probably. But I did, like, I've seen somebody said something very pithy at one point that said that this is what happens when you have rich people who try to cosplay in poverty, when yes. it's something that they're protected from in their own lifestyle, like nobody, exactly. so many of these people that drop 1000s and 1000s of dollars to go to Burning Man and get set up, they're not going to have to deal with the sort of poverty that people would look at it and go, why would you want to experience this for yourself? Sure. Yeah, I did hear that Burning Man used to be more of like, you know, outsider culture and everything. But it seems to have been I don't know, taken over by much more wealthy people. And I wanna say, um What's, there's a big music festival that happens out in the desert. Coachella, mm-hmm. I think. Coachella, that's another one. Yeah, I don't think you, I don't think a lot of people go to Coachella unless they have a lot of money. And I'm not interested in any of that, you know? I just, yeah, well, I am so looking forward to the eventual documentary about this year's Burning Man, because you know yeah. there's going to be one. But what I'm also looking forward to is the documentary that they're going to do about Fire Festival 2, which oh, Billy McFarland God. is apparently already selling tickets for, even though... They don't have a venue or a lineup or a date. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? I had sympathy for people who, like, paid a bit of money to go to a exclusive event and got scammed, you know. And nobody got terribly badly hurt at that, so it was fine to laugh a little bit about it. But otherwise, you have some sympathy for them. I have zero sympathy for anyone who gives this man money now. I mean, no. What are you thinking? This he doesn't he needs to be working like at a cash register with a security video on him all the time because he can't be trusted to plan things or handle other people's money. I mean just no. have him be a stock boy in a grocery store for God's sake anything. Do not allow him to start building up these castles in the sky and then people get scammed again and have a horrible time. Yeah. And I I feel like I kind of hope that half of the people who are working with him and half the people who have bought tickets, I feel like they know it's going to be a disaster, but they want to profit off the disaster. Because you got to admit, I mean, two major documentaries came out around the first one, and there's got to be a lot of people who are like, oh, man. Some people just like to watch the world burn. So it's like, yeah, let's give him some money and we'll see what he does with this festival. So, oh dear. My, oh my. Yeah, so that's going to be fun to watch, I'm sure. I'm just mm-hmm. not going to pay any money for it. No, no, absolutely not. But I guess it's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixladyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Oh my God. Do you know what? Designer Con is in December this year. Really? Is that the yeah. latest it's ever been? I have never seen it outside of November. I have no idea why it's that late. Um, luckily, I think it should be before I would like to travel for holidays, I hope. But um, yeah, very weird for it to be that late. But okay. Maybe they're trying to get a hold of the Christmas market. I, my friend said the same thing. I guess. Sure. I guess that's fine. Whatever. I, I've <laughs> been looking around to see if anybody's complaining about it. Nobody said anything. I'm really only tertiarily aware of the community that surrounds the whole designer toy market so maybe people have been talking about this for a while maybe the community wanted it i have no idea i'm gonna try and go if at all possible though all that and more pixelatedgeek.com so next week we will have night vale. indeed yes and we're a few weeks out from more laura lumbus mm-hmm. oh gracious yeah and two more episodes of good omens it's yes good yes story. and i have um Gosh, I think I have two more episodes of The Mandalorian, so wow. this should work out really nicely. Yeah. And you know, whatever else we happen to watch. I mean, there's there's a lot of movies that I still haven't seen yet, I like across the Spider Verse. Oh my dear Lord! But we will get around to them eventually. We promise. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you all later. to uh, the World War. Sorry, let me try that again. What, what war was it? World War II, right? Yeah, it had to be been World War II. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there was Nazis. So yes, thing. exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They basically spill the beans that Crowley and Aziraphale were there and they were together. Hang on. Car. One moment. There was a car for them. Okay, I have to look up one thing real fast. Hang on a minute. Oops, nope, that's not what I need. Hang on. I'll get this in a second. I just wanna, I don't wanna like (laughs) spread around misinformation. God knows there's been enough of that. Uh huh. I'm just going to do a find to see if I can find if this article actually says what it's supposed to be saying. No. Oh my God, put your fingers on the right keys.